Jesus, tonight we are just so blessed to be in your house with our brothers and sisters, Lord, to partake of your presence and to partake of your word. Lord, tonight I pray that you would settle on us. Settle on us, Lord, with a blanket of your peace. We're so busy, our lives are so full. We carry the weight of so much, all of us, responsibility and, and issues and stuff. That, Lord, tonight we pray that you would settle on us in this next few minutes, Lord. Touch us with your peace, Prince of Peace. Come and meet with us. And we thank you in advance, Lord, for speaking to our hearts and for changing us because we've been in your presence and in your presence is everything that we need. Amen. Okay, so how's everybody doing? Hi. Good? Hey, I like that you're on duty, that you're here. Okay, so um, who was here last month when we were going to share on peace? Remember that, right? We we're going to talk about peace and then... I, I get the, guess it was a miscue. I was waiting for someone to tell me to do something, and they were probably waiting for, them, for me to move, but God really came and settled on us, didn't he? Remember that? It was awesome. His presence came. Who remembers that? Come on. I could have just melted in a puddle, right? It was just awesome. So um, Pastor Missy was supposed to preach tonight, and he asked me, I'm, I was supposed to do it in a couple of weeks, if we could switch and everything in me was screaming, oh, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I have so much going on. And I'm trying to milk every ounce of anything out of Marissa because we're only going to have her for a few more days. And I'm trying not to be stressed, but I was the furthest thing from peaceful, okay? Just telling you. Um, but I thought about it, talked to the Lord about it, and I said, yes, of course, I'll switch with you, Pastor Missy. So... Started to look at a few different things, and I had, I was sitting in my den, and I had three different things written out, and oh, what are we doing here, Lord, and this would be okay. And I almost felt like you said to me, go ahead, just, you know, it's fine. Whichever one you want to do is good. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And then Monday night, suddenly, I just felt like I was looking through some papers and kind of putting some stuff away. And I came across the peace message. And I thought, oh, wow. And you know what happened? It was the only thing that I really had peace about sharing. And so I looked at it a little bit, and I went to sleep, and I said, you know what, we'll work on it tomorrow and revisit it. But 4 o'clock in the morning, I was awake, and God gave me the final piece of it that I wouldn't have had a month ago. And it was so cool to me that he just kind of tied it up in a bow and said, okay, now we're going to share this word. So I hope you're as blessed as I've been, as I've been reading through it, and um, especially the final piece. So hold on to the end, all right? Don't fall asleep on me. Just stay with me because, sure, can you not hear me? Okay, is that better? All right, did you hear everything I said? I don't have to repeat myself, do I? Okay, so... And as I was thinking about how the Lord really visited with us last, um, last month, 
The book of Acts says in chapter 1, as Luke is writing to his friend, he says, all the things that Jesus did and taught. And oftentimes that's what God does. He manifests his presence or he does something. And as a result of it, he teaches us or he shows us through the scripture that that's really, you know, what's, what's happening. Okay, so Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's go to Luke 19. We're going to read through some of it here. So would you agree with me in this day that we're living in that there is very little peace in the world? In the world, right? People are anxious. People are troubled. People are fretting. People are fearful. Weighed down with life. The dictionary defines peace as the absence of conflict. Freedom from disturbance. Tranquility sounds more like it, right? A time when there's no war, a state of harmony and calm. Hmm. We may not be in a physical war, and our world may not be in a physical war, but it's far from tranquil, isn't it? Spiritually, we are certainly in a war. People's lives are interconnected, and there's so much conflict, so much fear, hatred, anger, that it decreases the peace in the world, doesn't it? But not so with us. Because even the world understands that peace is so important, right? Without it, our destructive tendencies will just bring us closer to catastrophe. At any moment, someone can press a button or, you know, send off nukes and and we're gone. We're destroyed. But tonight I want to share with you about the promise of peace. Even in the midst of the most trying times. Even in the midst of, you know, like the darkest periods of your life and, and struggles and circumstances, God wants to give us his peace, his biblical peace, shalom, totality of completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, well-being. Wow, that's all that God has for us and then some. What a list of words. Listen to to that. Shalom. How do you say that, Margie? Shalom. 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 A Jewish friend. Totality of completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. Galatians 5 lists peace as a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. We may not always walk in absolute peace because life is a little bit hard at times, isn't it? But the peace that we do have is one of the great exchanges that Jesus died to impart to us, to give us his peace, not as the world gives us. So tonight we want to grasp this truth and walk in the liberty that the peace of God can bring to us. Amen? Jesus brought the fullness of God's kingdom reign and peace at an opportune time, a kairos time, a particular time in history. He visited the nation of Israel. It was a time of visitation, yet in that day, as we're going to read in Luke 19, so many people missed it. The Prince of Peace was in the midst of them, and it was a time of opportunity, and they missed it. Let's not miss out on what God wants to say to us. Amen. Luke 19, the closing week of his life on earth, he had over three years of public ministry. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was performing miracles, signs, wonders, delivering the oppressed, right? Now here he is on his way to Jerusalem for the last time, the last week of his life, and he passes through Jericho. Side note, what what do we know about Jericho? It It was the the walled, fortified city that the people of Israel had to go in and conquer before they could go in and possess the land. It was one of the first conquests of Israel, right? Walls are for protection. 
But at other times, you know, walls keep us from receiving, don't they? We don't want to be a walled, fortified city in our own strength tonight. We want God to protect us, but we want to let walls down so that we can accept the time of his visitation. Whatever those things are that would hinder us or keep us from receiving what God wants to say and do in our lives. Tonight, he wants to tear some walls down and reveal to us the things that rob us of our peace. Anybody need a little extra peace tonight? Come on. Alex, thank you. I know. I'm Vanessa, good girl. All right. I know I'm not the only one. Maybe you don't need it tonight. You might need it in the future. So let's just look at some of the things that can rob us of our peace and what the answer to our peace is. All right. Luke 19.1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and he could not see over the crowd, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I love when you're reading through scripture and you come across a scripture that we quote all the time, but we're forgetting about the context that it's in. So I love that it was right there, because see, he was a wealthy tax collector who had heard about Jesus. To finance the world empire, the Romans levied heavy taxes on the nations under their control, and the Jews were under their control. And the Jews opposed these taxes because they supported the secular Roman government, but they were still forced to pay them, much like us. Who wants to pay taxes? But we have to, right? We've got to obey the authorities. Although Jews by birth, the tax collectors were really some of the most unpopular people in Israel. They weren't liked by the Jews. They were cheats. They they were considered traitors. Plus, it wasn't uncommon knowledge that they would um, make themselves rich at the expense of their fellow brethren, their fellow Jews, right? So the Jews didn't like them. So knowing how unpopular he was didn't stop Zacchaeus. He heard that Jesus was coming, and he needed something, and he wanted to see him, so he climbs a tree. So even though he was in sin and compromise, it didn't care. He had a disability. There was a crowd. There were obstacles, but he was pressing through. He didn't want anything to deter him from seeing the Savior and from getting a touch. Just like the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd and said, I need something from God, and I'm not going to let whatever it is hinder me. He pressed through the crowd. He was small. He was hated by many. There was a crowd. But in hunger and humility, he ran after Jesus. He had acquired worldly wealth, but he was learning that life was more than this. He came to realize that we cannot find peace in the abundance of the things that we possess. Jesus told us that. We just came through Christmas season, right? Anybody have a season when you spend a little bit more than you really should? You're maxed out with your Christmas, your, your credit cards, only to be feeling a little low and empty 
after Christmas because those things cannot satisfy, right? Life does not consist of the, uh, the possessions that we have. It doesn't, we do not get peace through that. Luke twelve fifteen says, watch out, be on God against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of the things that we possess. There is no real life. There is no real joy. There is no real peace if we're putting all of our stock and satisfaction and our hope and our joy. We're looking for joy in those things. It's okay to have things, but when they become more important, and that's the place Zacchaeus was in, and he was realizing he may have had all the money, he may have had his possessions, but he had no peace. He had no savior, right? So he's looking for Jesus. He was excited. He was joy-filled. And even though he was considered a cheat and a turncoat, Jesus loves him and requests to stay at his house. Zacchaeus, I want to stay at your house today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What an awesome thing. So in his dialogue with the Savior, he says, I'll give back half of all my possessions to the poor and four times the amount of anybody that I cheated. Think about that, right? You make $100,000, you give half, that's $50,000. Four times any, you're probably down to zip at that point. You pretty much, you could have pretty much wiped him out. But what he's really showing is an outward sign of an inward change. That he couldn't purchase peace. He couldn't purchase happiness. He couldn't purchase his salvation. And he was willing to just give it all. Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You, Zacchaeus, are the reason I came. You are the reason I came. You are the reason I came. I came to give you peace. Amen? Jesus, Savior, Messiah, came from heaven into this earth, sent by the Father to not only purchase us back, to give us eternal life in the future, but to sozo us, to save us, to rescue us, to liberate us, to keep us from harm, to preserve us, to heal us, the fullness of salvation, and his peace, the Prince of Peace. Talk about peace of mind, right? What can give us more than that? Not only did he do this for us, he brought us back into right relationship with the Father, and now we have peace with God and the peace of God inside of us. Come on, what a peace package that is. Talk about a peace treaty, right? Is he amazing? Can someone praise the Lord? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So after his visit with Zacchaeus, Jesus heads towards Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life and his ministry on earth. And he sends two disciples ahead to find a colt for him. And he makes his entrance into the city to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah 9. Rejoice in verse 28. Let's see. 1928. I don't want to read the whole thing because I just shared it, right? He's going in to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah, and I rejoice, shout aloud, Jerusalem. Your king comes to you triumphant, victorious, humble, riding on a colt, on a donkey. Humble on a donkey. What this was really symbolizing is that he's arriving in peace because a donkey is a humble, quiet animal. If he came on a horse, he would be arriving with war. But he came humble on a donkey, arriving to bring peace to the people of Jerusalem. After more than three years of public ministry, 
Jesus chooses a place and time when all Israel would be gathered in Jerusalem. It's the Passover week. They're all going to be there. And for the last time, it was his way of proclaiming his mission for coming, which was unmistakable. And he rides in the city on a donkey. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we know the story, right? It's Palm Sunday. The whole crowd of people is saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven to glory to God in the highest. There's Pharisees in the crowd saying, teacher, rebuke their disciples. Remember the whole story, right? Even though right now they were praising him for what they had seen and what he had done for them, soon many would reject him. They thought their liberty and freedom was at hand because they were looking for an earthly king. They were looking for someone to come and establish the kingdom and to free them from the Romans. But when they realized they weren't getting what they wanted, a few days later they would be yelling, crucify him. The truth is, there is no person or earthly ruler that can bring us peace. We know that, don't we? We're living in a world that's just splintered and shattered and chaotic. Right? And isn't it just like God allowing so much chaos and craziness to pour out his spirit and send a revival to show people that there is peace to be had? But how are they going to see him or see peace if his church isn't in peace? Right? I mean, this isn't a slam to anyone because I know. I know what it's like to go through struggle and heartache and to not feel peaceful. And, you know, we have to push through that and work those things out. But generally, there are answers for us. And this is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to topple some of those strongholds that Pastor Frank talked about, the last stronghold. You know, the things in our mind that want to rob us of our peace. True peace is found in nothing or no one but the Prince of Peace. And Jesus came to bring his kingdom rule to the earth and his kingdom rule in our lives, right? So verse 41, Jesus brought the fullness of peace to earth, yet as he approached the city and saw the people, he wept over it. And he said to those there, if you, if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes. And the days will come when your enemies will build embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You didn't recognize the time of God's coming. If only, if you... You of all people, you, my people, Israel, if you, if only you, you should know. You've read the scriptures. You should know the Old Testament. You should know the promises. This is a fulfillment. If you of all people had only known what would bring you peace. But because they didn't, it was hidden from them. And so let's apply that spiritually to us tonight, right? We come into church, we experience God's presence, 
the word of God is preached, and we respond to it. And that's a good thing. And God touches us, and we walk out, and we go back to normal. Anybody ever been there? We forget. Or what about the word of God is preached, and we're so walled up and so close that we don't even respond to it? We just hold on to like whatever is that I walked in with. Whatever that thing was that was just like clouding my mind or crushing my spirit or troubling me, right? We come here for a reprieve. We come here to have an encounter with Jesus. We may go out and some things maybe isn't even going to change, but he's going to change us. He's going to give us more power. He's going to give us more presence. He's going to give us more peace. He's going to give us more strength to go back into the battle, right? How many of you in the workplace or with your family, you go through a hard time and they see you and say, how are you even doing that? It's such an opportunity to say, I can't do this alone. This is Jesus, right? People need to see the peace of God and they need to see it in us. Again, this isn't a slam. I was not peaceful this week. I'm telling you. I'm confessing it. I had to apologize to Marissa and say, I'm sorry, you're having a baby, and I'm torturing you. Say, can't you, like, wait another week to have the baby? How selfish, right? (laughs) But here, isn't it funny that Jesus has given me this message to, to preach? Because by Tuesday, I had allowed his peace to settle back in on me and say, you know what? I I can't stress and fret. Stuff, life is going on. I need to just trust God. I need to get in his presence. I need to worship him. I need to get in his word. I need to get my mind shifted and renewed. I need to not be talking about certain things, right? Peace. God's peace. Don't let anything rob your peace. Don't let anybody rob your peace. Don't let anybody rob your joy, right? Peace, 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 peace in the Holy Ghost. Then we should do joy, joy, joy. Remember? Joy in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Don't let anybody rob it. Right? Don't let anybody. I'm not going to be a worship leader. Not to worry. Not to worry. I can sing along with all of you, though. Sometimes quietly. Okay? So listen. Jesus was grieved. He was grieved because he knew that they would pay such a steep price for rejecting him. The Prince of Peace stood before them. He came to his own but his own didn't receive him. Now, because they didn't recognize the time of his visitation, he said, you will experience spiritual blindness. And that's what happens. That's how strongholds get built up, right? Instead of seeing him, I'm seeing fear, I'm seeing bills, I'm seeing stress, I'm seeing whatever that thing is. And that's right here before me, rather than the word of God, the presence of God, and the peace of God. Those things just have to be like, push them down. They're there. They can lay on the floor. Don't have them before you. Set him before your eyes, right? So that our eyes are opened. They didn't recognize the time of God's coming. Remember walls? We talked about walls. Because really what happened after 40 years, after Jesus said these words, they came true. Because in AD 66, the Jews revolted against the Roman rule, and Roman soldiers attacked the city of Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And over the next four years, the Romans took over the city, burned it, 600,000 Jews were killed in the onslaught. The walls could not protect them. They had missed the time of God's visitation. 
You know, I was thinking about when I worked at Teen Challenge with the ladies almost 20 years ago. God first made this principle real to me because when ladies were coming to the program, so bound, so broken, so wounded, so hurting, and they would accept Christ and the deliverance, the experience was quick a lot of times and evident to all. I mean, they would just be lit. Their eyes were, were dark before, and all of a sudden the light was on and the beauty of their worship. And then there were other ladies that would come in, and they would just do the program. They wouldn't let the program work in them. They wouldn't let the Lord work in them. They would just kind of do the program. And they would just kind of like sit in chapel or stand in chapel and never really enter in. And most of the time, many of them wouldn't make it. They would go out the door. Some of them would come back a year or two later. Some would come, up, come back quicker because they'd realize. But when you're in the presence of God like that, the presence, his presence was something to behold. Because those ministries, there's a particular anointing for deliverance. And the presence of God was so rich and real and tangible there to set them free. We'd see ladies come off the streets so high and, you know, with just a few of us praying for them, they would be straight in their right minds. It was amazing. But they had to be open to it, right? The same is true of us. When God comes in power in our personal lives, let's not miss the time of him coming to us. He's knocking on our door, or he's putting his hand on an area that he wants to change or shift in us, right? feels uncomfortable at the time, but no pain, no gain, right? we got to wrestle these things out with Jesus sometimes. We miss the opportunity to experience his peace. If you could see, like, right beyond the corner of that thing that you're struggling with, right there is peace waiting for you. If we'll just surrender... We've got to surrender to him. Tonight he wants to dismantle those things that hold us in bondage, one brick at a time, because if we don't open up and allow him to work in us, those strongholds will remain. Fortified places, patterns of thinking, old ways of behavior. And guess what? They're a major issue to robbing us of our peace. It's pushing the peace out. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. If we have Jesus, we have the peace of God inside of us. Let him manifest that. Let him out. Right? Tap into him. Tap into that well and let him out. It's going to require for us to open up and surrender hidden areas in our hearts and minds, just like Zacchaeus did. And he found freedom, didn't he? Yes, he did. So... You know what? I was going to share some other things, but I want to go right to this. First Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I've heard this verse a couple of times in the last few days. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to clean us. He wants to make us holy, our whole spirit, soul, and body. Every part of us, the God of peace will do that. The God of peace will do that. He's called us to extend peace to people around us, to make a difference in our families, to touch our world. Let's think about those things that are robbing us of our peace. 
What are we exchanging for his peace? What are we walking in instead of his peace? He gave his life so we could have peace. He was punished at the cross so we could have peace. We're living in serious, perilous times. Yet for us, we're looking and waiting for God to come. We're responding to him moving in our midst. It can be glorious times of visitation for us, right? As the world gets darker and darker, we should shine brighter and brighter, right? We should have the fullness of his peace and all of his presence in us. So I said to you that um, on Monday night, but Tuesday morning when I woke up, I was looking over some scriptures and notes, and the Lord dropped in my heart, First Peter 5, 7. And look, I, the printer wouldn't work, so it was trying to rob me of peace even at quarter of seven. It's okay, though, because look, it's on my pink paper. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Think about this. Peter was there that day when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. I don't suppose that he would have imagined that a week later he would be denying the Savior. He walked with him for three and a half years. He saw the miracles. He was in the the closest circle of three. He was the inner circle. He saw the miracles. He felt the love. He knew he was the son of God. How distraught must he have felt when he denied the Savior? Right? He went and he wept bitterly. But unlike Judas, who couldn't handle the pressure, and his heart wasn't really right anyway, Peter repented. He knew Jesus. Years later, because he had experienced so much fear, worry, maybe he was thinking, am I ever going to have this friendship again? Will he ever forgive me? He loved me so deeply, and I rejected him. I dishonored him. I denied him in my time of fear, right? But years later, as a mature church leader, he says, casting all your cares, all your fear, all your worry, all your anxiety on him. He's teaching us. This is what I learned, church. This is what I learned, and now I want to teach you. Casting all of your care, anxiety, fear, worry on him the Prince of Peace, because he cares for you. He loves you. So listen, this is so cool. So I thought, what does that mean, casting? I have a sense of what it means. I remember people used to say, give it to God. Just give it to God. As young Christians, I would hear that. I think, what does that really mean? I can't like walk over and hand it to him, Roger. What does that mean, give it to God? Like, how do I do that? Anybody ever struggled with that? Right? This word casting is epiripto. E-P-I-R-I-P-T-O. Epi means upon or on top of something. And ripito means to hurl, to throw, to cast violently, to throw or fling something with great force. So what the word is saying, throw, cast violently with great force on top of something. Cast it onto Jesus. Throw it, hurl it, fling it 
with great force. I thought, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love that. Then I thought of Pastor Frank at prayer the other night when he was saying the heave offering. Who was here? The heave offering, right? In prayer, the heave offering. And I thought, our prayers, that's what it is. I'm saying, Jesus, take this pressure off of me. Jesus, I can't handle everything that's going on. Jesus, I'm fainting. Lord, I've got so much pain in my heart. I'm heaving it onto you. I'm casting it on you. I'm flinging it on you. That's what you told me to do, right? So look at this. The only other place that this word is used in the New Testament, this epiripeto, is in Luke 19.35, where they brought the colt to Jesus, and they cast their garments on it. They tossed them on the colt. They took the things that they had, and they tossed them on the colt, and Jesus sat on it. It's a picture of flinging excess weight off the shoulders of a weary traveler. Anybody a weary traveler tonight? Flinging that excess weight off the shoulder onto the back of a beast of burden. A horse, a camel, or a donkey. So picture that, and then Jesus sits on top of it. How complete is the Savior? How complete is the Word of God? How complete is his peace? Come on. Come on. I thought, wow. I would have missed that piece if we preached this a month ago. Come on, Jesus. He did not call us to carry the burden of worry, anxiety, fear, all this stuff. It becomes like an oppression on us. The strongholds stay there, and we miss him coming to us because we can't see, we can't feel, we can't perceive what it is he's wanting to do or say. But when we cast it on him, right, we violently hurl it, toss it, the weight of the pain, the heartache, the loss, the fear. I can't do this, Lord. I've been in this place too long. Unless you come and exchange this thing for your peace, I'm not going to make it. And you know what? That's exactly the kind of prayer he wants to answer. And I love that Pastor Frank tied it in with the heave offering because it's a sacrifice of prayer or a sacrifice of praise sometimes, isn't it? Because we even want to hold on to it. We want to be mad. Well, go ahead. Be mad for a little bit. But don't be mad for too long because you're going to rob yourself of your peace. Right? The things that weigh us down, Jesus died to carry it for us. He gives us peace instead. He became the burden bearer. I'm not going to call him a beast of burden, but he came the burden bearer. He carried the weight of it on his shoulders. Isaiah 9, 6 says, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He carries the weight of it. The government of this church is on his shoulders. You don't have to carry the burden or the weight of it. We fling it on him. Jesus, this is too big. This is too hard. I need your peace. I need your peace. Tonight, what is robbing you of your peace? Close your eyes. Close your eyes for a minute. If Holy Spirit hasn't already revealed something, Holy Spirit, bring it to the surface right now. Show us, Lord. Is it a person? Is it an issue? Is it a family member? Is it finances? Is it something that I have harbored? 
Is it unforgiveness? Is it resentment? Is it jealousy? Is it just the stress of life that I have not hurled on you, Lord? Holy Spirit, show us. Show us as you move through this place, Lord. What is robbing you of your peace? Prince of Peace is right here. Give it to him. Give it to him. Maybe you feel like it's disrespectful to cast it, hurl it, throw it. Hand it. Either way, he's going to take it. And if you have to violently hurl it, he's taking it that way too because we just read the word. Receive your peace. Receive your peace. Surrender. Surrender and receive your peace tonight. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.